Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews, and convention panels. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Thanks for coming to our panel. Uh, this is Storytelling with Your Costume. Um, I'm MJ. Uh, oh, yeah. Finish. Persona next. Persona next. I'm MJ, uh, the creator of Asgard Automaton. I'm Sterling Silverman, the creator of Lady Wheelsworth. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit today about what we've learned um, when it comes to telling a story with the costume that that you have. Um, For us, it always starts with like a spark of inspiration. Um, So you know, if you're here, you already know how powerful and effective costume can be. Um, It can have the power to tell a whole story just walking down the hallway. But it's kind of hard to delineate, okay, what, what inspires you? What walks down the hallway and you know when you see something i am all over the place today i'm sorry guys it's been a long weekend so far we're good um you know what what excites you what do you okay what do you enjoy do you want to make a character that you already have like know about or do you have an original character you want to create is basically what she that's, that's And that's how what to, to implement skills that you do or don't have to create this character. By, without words, but instead, different, I guess. With the presentation. Presentation. With, with the presentation of it. So, I, I was trying to ask myself, okay, what is it that, that what's the difference between, um, a, a, a good collection of, you know, costume pieces, you know, that's a really nice costume. Um, and that costume that walks down the hallway, you're looking at this thing and you're going, wow, that's cool. I want to do that. Like, where where do we land on that spectrum? Um, choosing or developing your character can be the easiest step for some, but especially here in the steampunk community where we have so many original presentations, Sometimes that's the hardest step, and that's the step that takes the longest. Um, we've got pointers for both, you know, how to develop an original character, and also how to develop a pre-existing character to um, to how you want to tell that story. Especially here in the steampunk community, where we have a tendency to steampunk pre-existing characters. Ooh. 
I'm very sorry. We're both very disorganized today. What is going on? Why and now we got working? load issues. That's weird. Sorry, everyone. Technical difficulties. that and it goes there. Okay. All right, so basically where you want to start is you want to brainstorm. You want to, any idea you come up with, whether it seems stupid, whether it seems big, whether it seems small, obviously, uh, just write it down. Like write down any idea that you have that you maybe want to be able to implement either in the future, now, anything else, just, you know, Get your ideas flowing so that you can come back to it and figure out and fully develop a character. It, it can honestly be like as simple as you are literally going through the grocery store, you see something cool or a vintage shop, whatever you are going through, and literally you just, something pops in your head. Write it down right then if you can, because I can't count the number of times I've come up with a really fun idea and It'll be gone because I forget to write it. Writing down all those ideas, even if you're not going to use them, it gives you a place to collect all of them. So as you're thinking about and developing specific ideas, um, you can decide, okay, these ideas are gonna work together, these ideas are not. Um, one really good example is um, Sterling knew she wanted to do a jetpack for her wheelchair. She, she wanted to do a jetpack, so she wrote down everything she possibly could, and boy, was it an, a, 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 a myriad of all sorts of different ideas. In the end, Ooh. only if, you know, there's a handful of them that worked together well, and we're still developing the wings, and that's perfectly okay. Um, yeah. But eventually it's gonna have extending things. Extending extendo <laughs> wings. We ran out of time. But we we also used our knowledge from from um, a couple of previous builds that we did for yep. this. There's some adaptability that we need to do here. But having having the ability to look at all those ideas, there are some of them that she wrote down that are like, this is probably not gonna work. This is really dumb. I don't think this is gonna work. Guess what? It's on the jetpack right now. <laughs> so you can't yeah. filter yourself when it comes to the number of ideas that you have because you don't want to limit yourself to what you can do. That's actually the same example with our tab. We really had no idea what we were doing and so how we started it is we actually took her mannequin head that's sized to her, then took masking tape and created all the curls and took pictures for like reference. So what we wanted to do with metal pieces and what we were thinking would work. Mm -hmm. And um, on the inner layers, there's actually like curled up little pieces to keep everything like bold. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to like yeah. the, the, the testing phase or the phase that, that we call um, all the all Tips. your learning all your learning opportunities. <laughs> but where you really want to start is after you have an idea is you want to start researching. Um, even if it's an original character and you're getting all these ideas, it's really a good idea to get a basis of where you want to start. Uh, when we created a in 
October of last year, we created a Sally Ragdoll that was steampunk. And what we ended up implementing is the leaves on a body uh, into the legs of my legs. That made no sense. I'm sorry. Basically, we wanted to make it to where Sally had a disability, and so we made it to where the leaves were falling, falling out of her like It happens in the movie. However, what we ended up doing is we made sure that we... We made sure that we um, researched into what was exactly falling out of Sally during the movie. Yeah, so there's that one scene. a while. You know, she falls out of the tower and she lands on the ground and her body goes poof. Into and she's And she falls to pieces and she sews herself back together. And we're like, well, what is she stuffed with? <laughs> she's stuffed with fall leaves. So we're like, that's it. We could, we can give you legs where the leaves are just falling, falling out and out. the stitches look really wide like you're trying to stitch yourself back together and even that when we were giving ideas we had like i want to say four to five different sketches of just trying to figure out how to get these leaves to work and we started with garter belts as well as like just glue and sewing and we eventually settled on uh gluing which spirit halloween we ran out of time but we Grabbed Sally tights from Spirit Halloween. We, we didn't mind cutting them. Nothing cut. wrong with starting from a good base. It worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It worked. What we did is we followed all the lines on the tights. We uh, put actual yarn in, so all the yarn. Then we put cuts and glued all the leaves till they were falling out. And it turned out really good. It turned out really nice. Very it nice. did turn out really nice. I saw it at Gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> When it comes to pre-existing characters, um, character info is is important. But you know, oftentimes we, if we want to to um, cosplay a pre-existing character, we love that character for one reason or another. We already know like a whole lot about it. The important thing to remember is that you don't have to be an expert um, in that pre-existing character, whether it's for movies or TV comic books or books. Um, sometimes these characters have alternates or just make an alternate yourself. Um, it's, it's fun to start small and just slowly build. And one of our biggest, like, her biggest motto, motto, I would say, is, like, small upgrades over time. Mm-hmm. And, like, basically Asgard, if you've seen the evolution of Asgard, she has started very simplistic and then it's gone and develop more and it's, more. Yeah, there's always, there's something new, but it's usually pretty small. Um, that in, I think the Sally Ragdoll was a really good um, example of adaptation of the character to, you know, a, a specific situation. There are people who pride themselves on every single detail being the same as the movie that they saw or the episode that it premiered in or anything like that. And there are going to be some people who use that as a, as a basis to, to judge someone else's costume on. It's your expression. It's, it's your joy that you're looking for, not someone else's rating of how you do a pre-existing character. Um, so do what, what works for you. Um, one of the things that, that I really, that I really want to do, um, is I want to cosplay, um, Vi from Arcane. Um, and she's got those huge fists, you know, that she fights with. Well, I know based on the skills that we have for prop making, those fists may not be exactly the right, you know, size compared to her body, or um, they may not be able to open and close. 
small details like that, do I notice them? Yes. Does it matter? No. What matters is that you have fun with it. And if you want to punch somebody with some foam fists, you ask permission first. (laughs) (laughs) Did we got it? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It depends on if there's another vibe there. Um, Researching for backstories is is really fun. So if if you have a... um, original persona that you're working on um it's it's fun to think about okay you know when we think about it it's it's usually okay i want to play a librarian or i have this cool idea and i have this name and it's based on you know this specific field of expertise um you don't have to have much experience in that field of expertise it's like you don't just like you don't have to be an expert in pre-existing characters you don't have to be an expert in your character's field of expertise if that makes sense um but it's fun to look it up and just kind of get the basics. So you get an idea of what kind of equipment are they gonna have on them? What kind of, of um, things might your character wanna say? And if you have trouble with that, what you can actually do is pull from your own personal and professional experiences. So if you've never really created a full on original character, then you can start out with something like for example, you're a mechanic, and you want to steampunk that up. It's um, one of those things where, like, you don't have to be completely. I don't want to say don't be completely free creative because obviously, if you want to do that, obviously do it. Um, but it's more one of those things where you can start if you're afraid to, or you just don't know how. Start with something you already know. Um, a great example of that is my, my dad, when he got into steampunk, he had just retired from aerospace engineering. So he'd spent his whole life working around space stuff and all that. But he had some mechanical engineering I- experience too. So he decided he was going to be a mad scientist and inventor. It was just kind of a natural progression of here are his interests, here's what he did, so here's how he's going to kind of meld it into a character. Oh. Another, <laughs> another fun example is Asgard bites things and literally like just randomly start chewing on teapots or random pieces of like any anything in any anything in out of it that she doesn't bite people in my mouth. She got this from me because I'm neurodivergent and I tend to bite things just randomly. So I took my experience with <laughs> I literally know. I literally just start biting and like it's not aggressive. It just ah uh, it's there it's a thing. She finds it so funny. It's and so was like, funny. Okay, this is becoming part of Asgard. And I was like, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now it's a joke that Asgard tends to bite things. Yeah. But it's not because I just randomly came up with it. It's because I experienced it through her. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just drawing from those experiences, and it's like, okay, if I find this funny, how can I turn it into something? Because what we what we wanted to do is give Asgard some humor, and we were just trying to think of different ways, and then she was like, Oh. I know. <laughs> well, I don't think we figured it out until a little bit later that that's, that's where it came from. I don't think so either until you were like one day looking like, and you were like, oh. That makes sense. Yeah. So that was a, that was a fun discovery. The idea came before the realization that it came. So. <laughs> it was that from makes, experience. That makes come naturally. It's, it's fine. Um, another really good thing to do is to draw your ideas down or to, or to, or to do sketches. It does not matter if it's a stick figure with a triangle skirt on it. It does not matter what, you know, where your skills lie in drawing. The 
act of trying to draw out, okay, this is what's in my head and putting it down on paper, even in its truly roughest form, makes your brain think of the project in different ways because it's a more permanent representation of what's floating around in your head. And remember that those sketches don't need to be permanent either. Like, nothing is set in stone if you draw it down. Like, you can change ideas whenever you want to. And of course, some of those ideas that you are going to sketch down might not work. So you might have to come up with a new way to implement what you want to. It's like the pile of ideas that you've been writing down in that notebook or on your phone. Yeah. Um, the ideas become a picture, basically. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where, I, you know what? We did a sketch. We did a sketch of the jetpack, but the only thing that we had was the main box on the back, which is a it's a it's a wine gift box. It's a wooden wine gift box. I found it in a thrift shop, and I didn't know what the heck I was going to use it for, but it was too cool to leave behind because it was cheap. I carried that thing around for five years. Wow. And then when she's like, I want to do a jetpack, I'm like, I got this. We're good. There's electronics. It's fine. Um, so we, we took the box and we used the size of it. We like traced around it. And then we decided, okay, here's some of the dumb ideas that we that. have. Let's see if we can sketch this out. So we made a, a, a real sized sketch of, of what we wanted to do. And it really helped us visualize, okay, how are we going to execute this? And that sketch is rough. The sketch basically became a blueprint. It did. <laughs> it did. It, it became a blueprint. We also, we also made really small ones on our, like, small. Like, I have now have, like, this steampunk book just for specific ideas for costuming cosplay. Mm -hmm. Just to put things down. And, like, we started there. And then we are like, okay, we need blueprints. Come on, we need examples. Wait, okay, let's put this on there. Oh, no, that's not going to work. Oh, let's do this. Nope, that's not going to work. And... The, the, the jetpack has been really interesting because, like, it's still in trial and error mode <laughs> because we are very much um, dealing with, like, glue issues <laughs> off and on. We're, we're experiencing the learning curve. The learning curve of trying to figure out how do you get foam to stick to wood we'll, or yeah. how do you get metal to stick to wood. We'll get to that, though. That's part of the learning curve thing, too. Um, I, I am a fiend for color. If I'm going to have a sketch, I want it to represent color-wise what I'm thinking in my head. Um, I'm also extremely impatient. So if I want to draw a, a an outfit, there is no way I'm going to waste time on trying to draw the human figure. Hmm. So what I have found is there are a lot of free resources online for fashion templates. And it's just the human figure. Nowadays, it comes in all shapes and all sizes, and it's wonderful because then I can pick uh, a shape that's representative to me or representative to Sterling. Sans wheelchair, they gotta work on that part. Um, and I can, I can sketch the clothing on, onto that template then. Um, pencil colors and uh, colored pencils and markers are my friend because that helps me kind of lead into the color scheme, okay. If I have a character who's a poison expert, what kind of colors are involved in that? Usually we think of acid green um, or arsenic green or, you know, purples and blacks for somebody who's going to be like a, a, a poison expert or an assassin. Um, soldiers are usually associated with the army of their choosing. So are they red? Are they blue? Are they gray? That sort of thing. Um, and favorite colors work too. 
Um, Asgard is an automaton. Copper. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want everything to be shades of brown, though. So I chose my favorite colors, purple and teal. And it works really well. And I could change that at any time. Am I going to? Probably not. But, um... Uh, and for me, my, my pirate costume is very based on uh, purple and gold because of a friend who passed away during uh, the lockdown. I wanted to implement him because he was very involved in the Las Vegas community. And so I was like, okay, we're going to do this. So. so your color scheme can come from anywhere of your choosing. It, it helps you develop that character just a little bit more. And it gets you thinking, okay, what kind of fabric can I use for this? It, it, it goes straight into, the, into texture of, okay, if I'm going to wear a gorgeous green dress because I'm a poison expert, do I want like this cool damask pattern because it's all swirly and flowy? Do I want glitter? Do I want drab colors? Because I don't know, I'm a fae that came out of the swamp and I can just touch people and, you know, it's, it's however that works for you. Um, and they, they kind of go hand in hand. You start thinking about, even if you don't mean to, okay, if I want to be a professor or a mad scientist, I want a lab coat. Do I want that lab coat to be white? It's probably going to be a matte cotton fabric. But do I, it, is the, what kind of mad scientist am I? Is there blood and gore involved? Is there oil and soot involved? How am I going to, what kind of fabric am I going to use to get that grungy look? And so it gets you into what shade of cotton are you looking for? It gets you into what kind of texture do I want on that coat? Oil stains look different from blood stains. And it gets you thinking about how do I really want to represent this character? Even librarians, if you, for me, what I find fascinating is um, there, are, there are a couple of steampunk librarians um, and they tend to wear pleated skirts. <laughs> like the pages of a book that's open. The, the texture becomes this thing where those the ones that you remember is texture is a huge part of it. Oh. Uh, it's part of that storytelling. And then you have Lady Willsworth, which you'll see tomorrow. Uh, she is usually always soot covered because she's always working on something. So there's a lot of gray going on as well as like different messiness. <laughs> and uh, the hair for Asgard, basically. Is, of is, course, is, going to look metallic. It's, it's supposed to look metallic just to be like, hey, this isn't regular hair. It's supposed to be messy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but once you have your ideas down, and once you have, like, everything that you want, now you get to go fun and have the shopping for materials section. Um... But what's really fun is when you take new like old things, such as like curtains, um, the wine box, for example, taking things that like already have existed instead of like something that's new and implementing it in a different way. Um, for Asgard's crank box, this is a coffee can. And you can basically make little small boilers and she used a music box for that, I think. Uh, no, this this was just a just no. Atgard was the music box. Atgard was the music box. Um, this is just a plain um, wooden box that I got from the craft store. Yeah. But the the boiler is a number ten coffee can, and this is a gentle bubbler from mm. Home Depot. So this is supposed to go on the end of a hose. <laughs> um, but um, when the lights are on. The stuff up. that's in there diffuses the light quite nicely, so it's it's a really nice effect. Yep. The one 
Uh, so even if you're using something new, you can make it look old, which is fun. So you have a balance of let's use something that doesn't exist and use it in a different way. And I think as, as a steampunk community, we have a tendency to be like, look, this is vintage, or this is antique, or look, this is unwanted. I'm going to put some love in it. Let's do and, this. <laughs> and we take, we take some pride in that of being able to take something and turn it into something else. And if there's like old clothes that you have that like would suit your needs for a current costume and like something that you don't wear very often, use that. We have recently had some fun with, with turning garbage into treasure. Um, the boosters <laughs> on the back of, of the boosters on the, on this jetpack, those are lemonade bottles. Yep. Um, uh, we, we basically took, um, Went to the grocery store and drank. We drank some two, lemonade. Two things of lemonade in a day and had to urinate quite a bit. <laughs> and then just started painting. I mean, I wouldn't have gone that far. I went that and far. Just, yes, it you was did. very true. Yeah, well, it was a very honest thing. You're very tired and you have no filter. I have no filter right now. No, I'm dead. Um, Normally, I'm much more subdued. Uh, Not tonight. Well, you know, you all understand us. It's so much fun. Um, you can also curate your costume pieces if you're busy and you want to support other artists. There is absolutely nothing wrong with finding something that you love that another artist has done and purchasing it for your own costume. You your whole costume can be curated. You don't have to make any of it yourself. We do encourage, you know, supporting artists rather than going onto Amazon and finding a finding a yep. dress. But sometimes that has to be the option too because of time constraints or, or fund constraints or anything like that. The bottom line is if you can express yourself and you're happy with it, then it's all good. Hmm? Um, especially if like you usually just try to go through an artist first and uh, sometimes there's also artists who will do customs, which is very nice because you can actually talk to them about exactly what your image is and they will tell you what is possible. That does get pricey, but I very much think it's worth it when it's something you can't implement. Um, so basically though, now you kind of want to create your costume. How do you guys like sewing? <laughs> it's not so bad, right? Sewing isn't so bad. It's terrifying at first, I must say. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just started my journey of learning how to sew a little bit, and it's rough. And so don't be worried if everything looks wrong and horrible because you slowly get better. It's true. And, and patterns are definitely available. Yes. Um, Online stores, PDF patterns, you know, um, I, I tend to like the PDF patterns a little bit better um, because you print them yourself and they're on paper that isn't going to rip if you look at it wrong. Uh, but we have very recently used um, mass-produced patterns as well. Um, Fun story. I used to work for Simplicity Sewing Patterns, and I was there when they transitioned from it transitioned from thicker tissue paper to thinner tissue paper, and none of us in the factory liked it. It was awful, and it's still awful. But patterns are patterns. If you know, maybe someday I'll get into making patterns myself. In the meantime, I 
I need those patterns to be supplied to me, even if I'm taking two patterns and mushing them together, mm -hmm. like I did with this blouse. <laughs> it and was, it was fun. If there's one thing, like any kind of spare fabric that you have, or like you have fabric that you liked but you don't like anymore, make a mock-up first so that you can make adjustments and aren't wasting the materials that you want for your costume if you are gonna go full out to sew because it is very important to make sure that you get all the right sizes. Otherwise you can have a mess and then you're gonna get really frustrated and then you're gonna have to buy all the really nice expensive pretty stuff again. And it's worth it to get some cheap fabric, whether like again, curtains or something like that and just make it first, then do the official version. It's also okay to not like sewing ever if you yeah. don't like sewing ever, make a friend with a sewist um, and, and pay them for their time. <laughs> because especially here in our steampunk community, we're all creative in one way or another. And there are, there are gonna be some skills that either we just can't get a knack for, or we have time that we'd rather be spending on other things, which is why, which is why um, between the two of us, we tag team quite well. She makes the props, I make the clothing, <laughs> um, and, and it works out great. And that does combine every once in a while, like if we are working on a specific project, we'll like be assistants to each other. So like I will be sewing the really small things that aren't going to be seen because I know it's going to be crap. Or um, she will be like working on the drumming of areas that like aren't going to be like implemented like very, very aggressively like over here, like to, for the jetpack, um, we ended up having these EVA foam gauges, uh, or EVA foam wrapped around gauges. And we realized the wine box is curved Ooh. and it does not want to go down. So we had to make these like half wedges, which are still kind of falling off, but like, hey, yay. Um, we're, we're working on it. <laughs> but what we ended up doing was like, we have these half wedges and she, it was, uh, I don't, it's, I'm gonna say funny because I thought it was hilarious because she flipped her, she flipped. Because she, she just missed. She meeped. She is this, this is a yeah, fun inside joke. She meeps because she's so scared. <laughs> My um, anger comes off as cuteness and I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm left-handed. So when we Dremel, I always fight with the Dremel because they say Dremel away from you. I cannot because the Dremel is going in the wrong direction. So every time I'm Dremeling and I'm doing this thing, it goes <laughs> off into the room. Turn it! And then I have to go get it and bring it back and I'm doing it again. And I'm trying to hold it and keep my fingers out of the way and it goes so, so during that time, all you heard from her was just cuss words. <laughs> just like lots of cuss words while we're just sitting in here going, can we come in? Is something gonna get thrown? To my credit, it was muffled because I was wearing the respirator. <laughs> I think it counts still. It does count. I meet. I meet. And you will come across things, you know, frustration is okay. Just as long as, you know, it, you don't take it out on a person. You can take it out on things. Go get yourself a drama pillow or something. <laughs> frustration is a part of the process. Oh, God, yes. It really is. And that leads us into happy accidents. That's what we like try to call them happy accidents they're not always happy um, <laughs> and they're certainly always accidents <laughs> but they are lessons to teach you what not to do or different ways to do something and they are inevitable i mean sometimes you can make them a part of your design um for instance we 
tomorrow you'll see the yeah. lamppost prop for my wheelchair. And um, <laughs> uh, we, we're trying to get Warbler onto PVC very straight. Very nice and like pretty and like nice so that it would stick with paint. Uh, Marlene was like blowing it with a heat gun. First time working with it. First time working with it. This is first time. And she flips it. I picked it, it up hits. and it, it hits itself. And, and oh. uh, if you've worked with Warblow before, when it heats up, it sticks and it becomes, it. you cannot get it. It's kind of like clay. It's like this it's weird like sheet clay of sticky clay. clay. Yeah. It's really weird. And so what we ended up doing is we're like, okay, we didn't have enough material. So we grabbed oh. the bocce clay and started putting it onto the lamppost. And it actually ended up making it look more uh, iron cast than we originally meant for it to be. Like, it ended up looking really cool once the paint job yeah. was on it. We're like, boy, we're sure glad we made that mistake. <laughs> yeah. So, like, sometimes it's it can be rare, but you'll make a mistake and be like, oh, wait, this is cool. And mm -hmm. it's really happy fun. accident. Yep. See, happy see, accident. See, see, see. Yeah. Happy accident. Yeah, yeah, just a neat thing that happens sometimes. Uh, so... I've lost count of how many people have told me, oh, I've tried working with this material once and it didn't work out. Once? <laughs> yeah. one. just, That's just, your mark one. She's doing just it. Once. <laughs> like, if you eventually don't like the material, obviously don't, but give it more than at least one try because you're new at something. And if you're new at something, it's gonna suck sometimes. It's, yeah. it is. it's just a thing. Uh, and if you if you get stumped by one material, try a different one. If it doesn't behave the way you want it to as you're making this thing, uh, take a different approach. Another good example is also with the lamppost because it has it has mm -hmm. a flared bottom to it because it looks like a miniature you know lamppost. Um, and we decided, oh yeah, hey, we're gonna make that whole bulbous you know part of it out of air dry clay, out of out of foam clay. If you work with clay, then you know that water comes out of it. So the whole thing cracked oh. and it shrinks. And it, it shrinks. Once you work with clay, the water comes out, shrinkage. That's the reason why when you're working with regular clay, you have to put, like, if you're making a press, you have to put it on top rather than around. And it was one of those things where we had this big lump of clay on the bottom and it was already cracking, but the inside was still totally wet. It was going to take weeks for this thing to set and we didn't have that kind of time. So, so we did kind of... But we had aluminum to think about oil. this. Yeah, but I was like, you know what? They use aluminum for the insides of things when they're doing armatures and things like that, just to kind of bulk it out, and then that material just goes over the top. So we decided to use aluminum as, as the bulk. And then we put Warbler over that. Yeah, and that ended up working out really well. So um, we got stumped, but then we had to take a different approach. Fun for tip for foam, foam clay. Use it for detailing. Don't use it for, like, big things because it doesn't work. That was, that was our lesson. That was our lesson. So, like, that. small details that you need, little pretty things, good. Other stuff, bad. Um, it, same, same thing as, as we kind of touched on with, with sewing. If, if, if it's something that you just don't want to do or you don't have the time to do or you don't have the knack for, don't be afraid to ask friends or the community for help. In steampunk especially, we're, we're an especially tight-knit tight community. Um, if you ask another steampunk friend, hey, do you know anybody who does 3D printing? I need to do this thing. Or do you know anybody who does metalworking? I need to do this thing. Um, 
and and I don't I I can't I can't afford to learn how to do this myself. <laughs> Um, the community will reach out and the community will help you find somebody who can help you with it. So that's part of part of the commission side of things too. Um, and there also are inc incredibly kind people who will actually give me tips and like be like, look, yes. I want to help you succeed in what you're doing because <laughs> what you do is cool. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's a lot less propriety in this community. There's still some, but there are people who are more than happy to lend you their knowledge so if you're running into a specific problem like i ran into a problem trying to make a jacket where the material just would not sew for me and i had to ask somebody for help hey i my machine is acting funny with this material why is that and they were able to tell me real simple did you change the needle and what kind of thread are you using and it came down to the thread it was and i had no idea i didn't even know how to look that up um, but they were willing to share their knowledge with me so that in the future, I don't run into that same problem again, yeah. which is really nice. Same thing when, as we're still dealing with the glue issue, we, uh, I ended up asking my LARPing friend that does commissions professionally, how the heck do you get this to stick to this? And he very much was like, here, try this. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. There's an awesome website site called This to That. This to That? Mm -hmm. That is an amazing It's a good resource. <laughs> It's a real really? good resource. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. Exactly what glue to use for what surfaces Ooh. and what other surfaces. Ooh. Because there's just huge, like, I work in leather. There are things you can use to stick to leather. Especially if you're trying to, like, move glass to leather, which I right. just don't. Don't, don't try it. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it's really important. Yeah. yeah. And, and get it, especially when you're working with foam, if you're not working with a sealed foam, you have to be careful because a lot of the adhesives will actually dissolve the foam. Mm -hmm. yes. I've noticed that. Um, yes. The, okay. Yep. When uh, anytime I do uh, the concrete cement to get two EVA pieces to stick together, uh, first obviously I do a plastic dip to get it to where it does it. But uh, if I have something painted, and I'm guessing this is why cosplayers make sure that like they don't glue until after paint, it dissolves the acrylic. The acrylic is gone, and so yeah. <laughs> Um, Next page. Uh, oh, okay. that's okay. Not a biggie. We do, like, we always want to encourage people to be satisfied with the skill set that they have. So be, be happy with the skill set that you have. But we also challenge you to learn new skills. It's, it's not necessary to learn a whole new craft to do this one thing. But it's also fun to learn something new. I think this community is especially important and special because we tend to be people who want to learn something new in the first place. We want to think about things in a different way. And so we, we use our minds a lot more than, than say certain other uh, communities or cultures would. Um, microcultures, not just major cultures. I'm digging a hole for myself. Um, it's, you know, this community is so special because we're like, hey, I want to learn this thing. Who knows this thing? Can I get some tips? Um, and it's really cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after that, you kind of, once once you're fully established and you have your whole costume done, now you're going to be starting to work on the details and the final touches. Um, this can be from anything to how your body language is to... Uh, small things like for 
example, my jetpack is covered in soot because, you know, if it's working, it's going to have a layer of, what would that be called? Carbon scoring? Carbon. You know what? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think articulating. Like, right now, it is not happening. It's small words today. Um. Anyways, but, like, going into body language, like, with Asgard, when she goes into full character, she starts going with, like, these small adjustments to do, like, robot. It's very stilted, and um, it, it definitely gives like a little bit of extra towards this costume because she's really actually trying to implement. I am a robot. It's 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 about the experience, you know. It's turning a costume into an experience for you and for other people. Don't be afraid to ham it up. I mean, if if you're nervous at first and you're like, okay, I'm in this costume and I'm going somewhere in this costume, fantastic! <laughs> Congratulations, great job. Um, and uh, since Asgard is mute. Uh, the Lady Billsworth character is the sassy personality and the communicator for her. And it makes it to where the dynamic duo kind of is like this perfect little thing. It works, and we, we do have a nice dynamic duo. Um, if you want to like just kind of expand your horizons and you're, and you're nervous about doing like a character experience rather than just wearing a costume, it can start with how your character tips their hat or the flourish with which you speak when you are holding a pipe, or um, picking a color or, or, or an object um, to react to with people in the hallway. And you can just ham it up from there. It's all about what is, what is your comfort level. Asgard is mute because when I started, I really wanted to be a robot. I just wanted to be a robot. But I am an introvert, hardcore introvert. And I can, I could not at that time look strangers in the eye or say hello to people. So it was so much easier to be able to do a mechanical bow and move on. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm off. I'm looking for something. I don't speak. I'm, a, I'm a robot. It does not matter. Um, now it's really hard to stay in character <laughs> because I like to talk to everybody, which is, I, yeah, that I was not expecting that. Um, but it's a nice it, problem. Sometimes it gets so much so where I have to be like, hey, acting time. Yeah. We've, we have established that. We've, yeah. Acting time. Um, but it, it started out as I'm shy as heck and I just want to be a robot. And so I was. And it grew from there. It's also fully okay if you do not want to establish a full, like, oh, goodness, persona character. If you just want to do this cool character costume and don't want to go full personality, do it. You know, all the costumes here are gorgeous. Everything is like, you know, great. So, is it comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> is it comfortable? Um, it's great to give yourself enough time to, at the very least, the pieces that you finish before you go to the con and have a con crunch in your hotel room and stay up until four thirty in the morning trying to get something done. Um, <laughs> Try it on at home. Or those shoes that you bought because they're the perfect, you know, they're the perfect finishing touch. Give yourself time to put them on for a couple of hours at home and see how they feel on your feet. Because you don't want to go to a con and try to wear them for eight to ten hours and find out, ow, my big toe is asleep and the rest of them are screaming. Um, you want to be able to try the things on. Because a lot of these things, shoes, corsets, hats, your foam props, they need time to break in and conform to your body. Speaking of corsets. Speaking of break corsets. It, um, I know now the experience of not doing that. 
and not wearing anything under it. Always wear something under it. I have scarred because of my scoliosis as well, because uh, corsets kind of bend really badly for me. Um, I have scar going from right here all the way to my back because I just I couldn't feel it. It, it rubbed. It does. That's, that's a very big concern for me, but that's like irrelevant in this scenario. But um, but good to know. Good to know. Good to know. It, but it's one of those things. Like if you are like having problems. Definitely practice in a safe environment so that you know what isn't isn't going to work at a convention because you know yes you are in a safe community absolutely and there are going to be people that help you mm-hmm. but at the same time don't it's make cool yourself not to suffer. have those chaos or, okay let's let's be realistic make yourself suffer less yeah. <laughs> make yourself suffer less it's okay to have a little suffering if that's what you're into but I mean like, okay so just to put it in context. The scars that you have are because you can't feel the skin in. Yeah. So for me, when I try things at home, I have to be extra careful and make sure I'm double checking like every I would say twenty to thirty minutes to make sure there isn't pressure. And that's that also plays into the importance of okay, if you're able, commission somebody who makes good corsets, which you have the opportunity to do, and that's going to be awesome. So that you'll actually have a corset that fits your specific body type. So that I that doesn't happen again. No pressure. Hi. Oh, hi. I did not connect the two at all. It's true. No pressure. No pressure. So she comes to the next con and she's like, and I'm broken. You know who it This is your profession. We love you. We do. Um, but it, it, that that plays into, you know, take that time to, to uh, invest in and commission things. If your body is unique in any way, if you have white feet, find white shoes. Don't buy them on Amazon hoping that you're going to be able to squeeze your feet into them and last. It's not worth your discomfort. It's not worth your injury. Nobody here is going to judge you for not wearing something that they've never seen you in before anyway. So, and and with, as far as the props go, is it too heavy? Is it going to, does it? Does it squeeze your head and cause a pressure headache? Which my old one actually does. And this one does not because we learned. Um, I feel like this is gonna be the new one for a bit. This is gonna be the, oh, it's so comfortable. I love it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things of listen to your body and give your body time to tell you how these pieces fit and how they feel. Wear them for as long as you can stand it. If you can wear them around your house on a weekend or on a day off for eight to 10 hours, do it. Because then when you go to a convention, you'll know how it's going to make your body feel and you're not going to have a regret when you should be having fun. And now you have your look, you have your costume, you got everything done. Now it's time to own it and enjoy. Like make sure that you Basically, you are one of a small population of what people can do. And the biggest thing is to take on the persona if you choose to do something. And now you are whatever your costume is. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> Does anybody have any questions? It's not so much a question. Um, you were talking about sewing, and I know sewing is where a lot of people struggle. Um, yeah. Unless you already practice seamstress or you grew up sewing. Like, I sew leather. I can't sew cloth to save my freaking life. I, I have a phobia with, I almost a phobia with, with cloth. Just because I'm, you, there are things you can do with leather that you can't do with cloth. It's stupid. I know because I did grow up sewing cloth, but I now hate cloth. 
doing their foam stuff but commissions can be a tricky thing mm -hmm. um, especially in, in foam smithing and yeah. it's a matter of okay you know what I'd rather teach people how to do this and a lot of us would rather learn anyway mm -hmm. so pick their brains they're, they're it, wonderful at people at the end of the day if I teach you to make something that I already make you're still going to make it different from how I make it because everybody mm -hmm. has their own mm -hmm. style yeah, yeah. Exactly. so it, it doesn't really matter if I teach you or if I make it for you it's just going to come out different no matter what yes mm -hmm. Thank you. Have you had um, situations where you don't know what to put the stuff you need, but doesn't go with your costume? So if you need like some medical supplies with you, and you don't have pockets, or um, um, figure out way to normally I always containers. have a, normally I always have a bag on me as well as I at the convention I bring a specific medical bag with all my emergency supplies just to make sure so that I can come up to my room and like use bandages or something if I, I have something that goes wrong like this weekend has been rough if anybody knows the fun story of I don't have legs right now because we forgot them at home the wheelchair legs wheelchair legs <laughs> oh right yeah sorry yeah. it doesn't implement for me but yeah no. so um I currently have a foam pillow that like a wonderful friend went and cut and put a pillowcase on and We've been trying so many different things to make it to where my legs don't drag, but it's been, yeah. So sometimes things go wrong and you just gotta work with what you got. We, we are, we are um, starting our journey into, okay, if, we, if you need a specific piece of medical equipment that needs to be with you, um, because lots of paraplegics need specific medical equipment with them at all times. How do we, like, do we make pouches to, yep. to integrate into the outfit? Um, so we're looking into making fabric pouches that work. How do they connect to everything? Um, uh, or There's... do we need compartments in the props that we have? You know, things, we're always thinking about how are we going to make this work for our specific situation? Yeah. And uh, for me specifically, like, obviously it's chronic, but um, I'm not in a situation where I need something, like, emergent on me. So, like, it's not like I have an allergy that I need an EpiPen or something like that. So, normally I don't, I can keep things in my room. So, I am definitely not the person to ask that advice for because I don't usually need something on me constantly. Um... I noticed that Asgard has a pouch. Yes. So now you've got some place for your phone or your digits Correct. or whatever. Yeah. I'm actually planning on making an under corset belt because currently it's hanging off the ties to my bustle. Um, and that works for about six hours and then I need to take everything off and retie it. I, I become her bookshelf sometimes. <laughs> it's true. She will literally hide things behind my back 
and other <laughs> legs and stuff like that because my wheelchair like I can just like hold something somewhere and then I'm like cool I got you for a bit yeah so always with permission <laughs> there was one time you just did it because you could this is true I snuck it in it was just a folder and I was it was like, just, what is this? It was, it was just a back it was just a notebook and I'm like oh well your sideboard is there and the notebook's behind it um but yeah, that's pretty much the answer to that. Yeah. We, we aren't, I'm personally not in an emergency situation, so. I, I have my pouch on me because when I'm in the hallways and I'm doing my gimmicks, I need those coins nearby. Mm -hmm. So when I do power down, um, I can drop a coin on the floor or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to do it so that people don't have to bend down to get the coin. But when I have a handler, it's a lot easier. Um, but, you know, contact information, my phone, you know, payment methods, things like that. Humidity text. Yeah, exactly. So the the under corset belt is going to be a big improvement for that. And that ties directly into small improvements over time. Oh, I have another example of that. These were just leather straps to begin with. And we actually made EVA foam shoulder pads mm -hmm. because the straps, after about four hours, they're digging into my collarbone something fierce. Mm -hmm. Um, because this thing needs to be tight so that it's not flopping around everywhere. Um, and we just decided, you know what? No, this isn't good. It causes headaches. It causes strain. I need to do something. And so we made these, these cute little shoulder pads and this is my first time wearing them. Um, and oh, what a dream. <laughs> it's like my shoulders have pillows on them and it's wonderful. If you can make it more comfortable, do so. If right. you can make it more comfortable, do so. And if it's not something that you realize until after you've worn it a few times, or for me, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an issue for years because I only wore Asgard one day a year and I could recover from that. But now wearing her two to three days every convention, my, my collarbones are telling me, hey, what the heck are you doing? We were like, well, that needs to be fixed. Also, you're not going to be hanging when all of us run into it at some point. You're not there yet. But I actually am starting the downward slope. It was actually really funny because <laughs> I was up until, like, I did an all-nighter working on our project, and she was just like, I can't, I can't do, do this anymore. I can't do all-nighters anymore. I'm broken. I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there any other questions? Yay. Also, before you guys leave, we have things to hand out to you, if you want them. They have our socials on them. Social medias, as well as posters. <laughs> yes, I'm so trusting. <laughs> it's a life alert test. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, please check out D&D Journey of the 5th Edition and Ragnarok and roll a Scion Hero to Ragnarok Story. Also, check out our Patreon page for more content and behind-the-scenes things, as well as joining us for a one-shot game or two.